0: Welcome to Conversations with Anne Elizabeth, a podcast inspired by my book, I'm a Registered Dietitian, Now What?, where I have the absolute joy to sit back, relax, and have a conversation about nutrition with a variety of people who share their personal story of passion and purpose, especially registered dietitians. Today's conversation is with Dina D'Alessandro, a registered dietitian who is passionate about helping people embrace and develop new relationships with food in her own personal community. Today's episode is sponsored by Nick Sticks, turkey and beef snack sticks that are my favorite because they have all the goodness and none of the garbage. Nick makes snack sticks that start with 100% grass-fed beef and free-range turkey raised right here in the state of Iowa. No MSG, no nitrates, and no sugar. Just a lot of protein for the perfect snack. I have a special link on my website under the Things I Love tab, where you can receive 20% off your next order. Dina is a human who inspires me from the other side of the country. I was very excited to learn more about her on a professional and personal level during our conversation, which completely exceeded my expectations. Dina is the dietitian I am constantly striving to be. She is passionate about nutrition and food in her community by volunteering her time and providing nutrition education programming right where she lives. She also works at a high-risk OBGYN practice runs a part-time private practice and is a preceptor. She is also very close to graduating with her master's degree and is working on getting fit by 50 and she truly carries a pure entrepreneurial spirit. Please enjoy my conversation with Dina. Well, exactly. I'm so glad that we could connect today. I it's been too. You know, fun kind of get to know you over Instagram. I think yeah. that's like my new favorite platform to meet new friends. So Oh yes, yes. <laughs> and I love all those all the stuff that you're doing. And that's why I was like, I really want to talk to her and just kind of see more about your story and kind of the things that you do and your passion so thank
1: you glad that you are willing to do this with me today oh my gosh I feel honored like I think I scrolled through I was trying to look and see when our first conversation started so I think it was almost about a year ago if I'm not mistaken because we've never met in person we met through uh-huh. online but anybody yeah. that I meet through social media I immediately just think we're friends. We've known each other since childhood. Yeah. Like I just, yeah. So, <laughs> so I kind of had to go through and be like, what was the first connection? I can't remember. It might've just been a random post. But anyway, my point is, is I fangirl over a lot of you guys who I think are way more significant and way more established in just the whole registered dietitians field, the nutrition entrepreneur World and just the the dietitian stuff, and then also, of course, social media as well. Where I'm fairly new to all of this, so I fangirl. And so that when you reach out and you're like, we have to get a date on the calendar, I'm like, oh my god, and just ask me, (laughs) (laughs) and just ask me to get an interview. (laughs) The same (laughs) thing.
0: You. So I always am like fangirl. I love that term fangirl. I'm always doing that over, you know, people like you yourself, too. I'm like, Aww, I love your post. You've made me laugh you. so much. I'm like, yeah. she is one that I feel like I could just sit down with any day and just have a chat and just laugh her, laugh her butts off.
1: Yeah. It's true, I usually we start with a conversation, we forget where we're going, we come back to it, and then we still keep laughing throughout the yeah. throughout the um the whole the whole <laughs> way yeah, I, I like that. I like having a weird sense of humor it, it um it didn't work in my favor as a younger person. People often thought I was weird and had like a quirky, weird sense of humor, but now i I'm glad that the people who appreciate that have found me and I found them because that's where I like to thrive. I like making. I like making light of things if I can, or just just randomly being goofy.
0: Well, good. well, that's a yeah. good start or end or middle. We'll call it the exactly. middle of life. You have, right? to, you have to have
1: a happy heart. You have to have a, you know some kind of joy in your in your soul. I think to get through a lot of a lot of stuff that could you know be kind of overwhelming. Yeah,
0: and finding the right people to share all mm-hmm. that with. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. too, so. Well, well, just because just you mentioned when you were younger, you know, when did you start? I mean, let's just kind of go back to when you started kind of finding your place in the field of dietetics, nutrition. And mm-hmm. tell me about that.
1: Um, how far back does I go? Or like, uh, you know, elementary school. I'm going to go Maybe <laughs> when you, you can go as far back as you want because maybe you did have a touch back in elementary school. I, you know- it's funny. I, I grew up. I just actually recently said my dad was the OG OG, like the original organic gardener. I grew up with a family, with an immigrant family who we grew our own food for the most part. I mean, of course we went grocery shopping, but we, we ate a lot of food from our backyard and it wasn't like we had a farm we had a very just plain you know middle income middle type of uh of urban lifestyle and or suburban lifestyle rather and so i remember gardening with him and my grandma uh, my grandma used to make Homemade pastas. My mom would, you know, very Italian family, as of course my last name entails. There, that we would stand over the stove on any given Sunday and just, you know, spend hours and hours and hours making our own food. So it really never dawned on me that um I could eat boxed items for the most part. Like I always felt like there was somebody in the kitchen that's like, here, take this. I just created it. So. Anyway, so my early memories were definitely from as a very very young child like 4 or 5 or so of of making food and actually getting my hands dirty and learning recipes and opening up books that just had like scribbled information on them and no measurements. It was like a little bit until soft or you know, roll it out until whatever and I'm like that's not standardized. <laughs> like that's very hard to follow. I <laughs> yeah, a pinch of this is fine. But you know, when I say add enough water to make wet, I'm like, that doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. <laughs> so so there was that unique moment of time when I was young, young. And then when I got a little bit older, like say around 10 or 11, and I started going to, um, you know, the, the library in town, and I would only buy only rent out or take out uh, cookbooks. And I was always trying my hand at something and trying to find different flavors and different ways of cooking and baking and my mom, thank goodness, you know, let me, I was supervised, of course, but let me in the kitchen and, and uh, let me have whatever I needed to have in the kitchen to create all these little dishes and so on. Like, I think I remember uh, a Winnie the Pooh cookbook or something where I made some honey related dish at the time. Cause Oh, that's fun. that's his thing, yeah. Yeah. And then yeah, and then as I got older, I really wanted to venture into culinary stuff. So that whole food creation of food and and making my own recipes, um, I used to entertain a lot. And so as I got older, I wanted to go into culinary school. But my parents were very old world. They didn't understand what that meant. They were not pleased of spending money on culinary school versus you know a, a traditional academic college. So mm-hmm. they didn't get it. So I I ventured into just regular academia. And I took as many culinary courses as I possibly could on my own. So weekend pastry classes or knife skills classes or saucing classes. And I ended up doing like a catering workshop one weekend. And so little bits and pieces along the way, it was mostly food, 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 mm-hmm. not really nutrition just yet. But because I grew up on the homegrownness of it, it, it was kind of the, you know, the quote unquote organic style of things. So there wasn't a lot of heavily processed stuff, everything was very clean, quote, unquote, clean, I'm going to say that, you mm-hmm. know, no- noticeable ingredients, things that you can taste, not too heavily sauced, those types of things. Sure. Yeah. So like that. that's
0: interesting, because, mm-hmm. you know, when you think about standard ac- academia, you know, you're taking like, so when you decided to, you really didn't have like nutrition or mm-hmm. say on your radar, you had more of like that culinary experience and like Mm -hmm. wanting to do that culinary thing so where did you find how did dietetics find you
1: right that's actually how it did happen so as a lot of us i think in this field we have some commonalities as to what drew us to the, the dietetics world and for me it was health related so over the course of my say, um, early to mid-20s, I was suffering with a lot of gastrointestinal things. Most of it was kind of stress at that time, depending on what I was doing as far as work was concerned and my workload was concerned. Not much has changed, but I've been able to manage it a little bit better now, 20-something years later, or 30-something years later. So then I was trying to figure out what was going on with me, and I was doing a lot of my own not so much like elimination diets, but just kind of figuring out, like, is something triggering it without realizing it, that was a thing at the time. Anyway, so that was in my 20s. And then over the course of the next handful of years, you know, I just did what I did. And I just dealt, I dealt with my tummy issues. And I tried to get doctors to check on me and see what was going on, thinking maybe it was something specific, or there was a trigger to it, or whatever. And I was just diagnosed with, you know, gastroenteritis, very random, non-specific thing. So I ended up kind of whittling away a lot of stuff. Like I gave up coffee for a really long time. I gave up uh, refined sugars for a really long time. I became a vegetarian, which I still to this day remain fairly plant-based, but I've started integrating uh, more fish and, and a little bit more flexible, I guess, in my eating habits at this point now that I kind of know what, what does make me a little bit more sensitive. But Mm -hmm. Flash forward to mm, 2012, I guess it was, Uh, you know, over the course of time, I was doing my own work of things that were not food or nutrition related at all. And I was undergoing a lot of these stressful conditions again. And I kept saying to myself, whatever happened to food? Like, where did that go in my life? Like I ended up in a whole different direction, which we could talk about separately or today, um, as far as like project management goes and that type of thing. But in my head, I thought if I stay here and I keep doing this job, you know, th- that's fine. But will I miss out on what I wanted to do? And I always thought of maybe combining the food component with the health component. And does that exist out there? So I actually started looking into more like integrative health coach programs and just like six month certification things. And, and just to just to learn a little bit more about general nutrition and food and that type of thing and coaching and not so much the um the registered dietitian medical nutrition approach so um as that came about as often things do and as i'm sure we've probably talked about this before like once you put thoughts and actions into place it's the world lines up and starts handing you things that's like oh did you mean this and you're like oh my gosh i totally meant that and so things opportunities started coming up and presenting themselves to me and so case in point my boyfriend's sister is a public health, a public school health nurse. And she was a preceptor for a dietetic internship program, not too far from where I live. And she said, you know, there's a thing called like regist- like dietetic intern registered dietitian, master's degree in nutrition. And I'm like, what? So she put me in touch with the program director at the time and we chatted and we had this whole long chat and I went up and visited the campus and um, I, I was, my eyes were wide open and I actually said to myself, you know, I had had a BA in communication, but just like languages, I, I pick up on things very easily. It's not, it's not easy for me to master them, but I, I can get it. I can get it. So I thought, well, a BIN communication, and I eventually would like to have an MS in nutrition, how hard is that to go? And I, I'll do what I need to do to understand it. But I think I deserve to have a degree because the, once I started kind of understanding of what that entailed and where I could go with it, whether I took the community approach, whether I took the clinical approach, whether I went into food policy or something along those lines, I just said to myself, I think the direction I want to go in, it would behoove me to have some sort of credential, that would, um, I you know, again, with all due respect to health coaching and maybe non credentialed nutritionists and health coaches that for me in the direction I wanted to go to if I wanted to be on the board of directors of something or if I wanted to teach at some point that I just felt it would it would be better if I had a bachelor or a master in something related to Nutrition or public health, or something like that. So that's how that ended up turning out. So, (laughs) but I was 43 at the time and I didn't realize how much went into it. And, you know, had I kind of thought to do things a little differently, I probably would have. So I can talk in, in terminology that your your listeners understand. So like the DPD program, right, the didactic program, to to get me from my Bachelor of Arts into a more science-y focused thing. So that was like 60-something credits. So um, had I fin- once I finished that, had I thought ahead, I probably would have gone into a master's program directly after that and then done the internship. But instead, I had an integrated internship where I... I did the master's with it, and I'm still doing the master's. Like, I'm still finishing off the master's. So, it just, it oh, took you a while. yeah, I'm on my last, last, what I, t- 71 days left until my, my, oh my final <laughs> exam, until graduation. Yeah. It's, been a fi- it's been a five year from beginning to end where I didn't think, I thought it was like, you know, a year and a half master's program. It's like, no, 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 you have to do this for the, didactic program the dpd then you have to apply for the internship and while you're in the internship you know you're going to have to enroll in our master's programs now granted not every program is like this structure but mine was and so with the internship simultaneously we had to take three master's courses including i think the like the supervised practice seminar that everything comes along with but we were doing you know mnt case studies biostatistics i mean all this stuff was going on while we were also out there doing our rotations and sleeping three hours a night. So at my age, I always say it's never too late to start something new, but like at my age, I really kind of was like, wow, I was not prepared. So I, I probably would recommend If I had gone back in time or for anyone else in this position, you know, just be conscientious of what is being put on your plate and just be aware. Someone like me who I know I get really run down really quickly that I I wasn't necessarily prepared for it. And I think even now, here it is, five years later, a year and a half after I actually landed and became an official RD, that I'm, I'm just now starting to recover from it so um, just just a lesson a lesson learned yeah but you know i mean if i went the master's route first and then did the internship i'd still probably be like oh man this is really tiring and now i want a job and i have to get paid nothing so it's it's kind of good that it worked out in that way because i'm finishing off my master's degree now while i can make some income while you're working while i'm working yeah yeah so i checked off the box of of being an rd but the
0: I was going to say, everything that you're doing, You're this is all second career for you. So you had a whole oh, other yes. career before That's you even started this.
1: I had like six careers. <laughs> what are your careers? I like, <laughs> six oh my gosh. Um, I tend to, I don't like staying in one place for very long, but I'm good at what I do. So people like to promote me to things. And then eventually I'm like, I'm tired. I want to go somewhere else. <laughs> and so, so every few years I get kind of antsy. And if I feel like, you know, I've met, my goals and I don't really think I can do much else at a particular organization. I'll start looking. But what also ends up happening is people tend to headhunt me. So it's nice. It's nice to know that my, my, my work ethic speaks for itself and people get to know who I am anyway. So I started out with a a BA in communication. I immediately went into, uh, I opened up my part-time catering and event planning company. So I was doing that kind of on the side while I was working as a project manager and office manager for a broadcast engineering firm. So they built television studios and I helped them organize the schedule. And that, I think the thread that runs over this, this past 20 years of my career life, whatever, you know, kind of incarnation it's taken has always been about structure and organization. Like I'm good at thinking backwards and planning ahead and that type of thing. So that's the thread that leads me there. So the project management thing there turned into um I worked at a retail corporation for as a head buyer for like a health and beauty aids department in a large retail corporation that um is here in Manhattan and then from there I went into publishing as a publishing coordinator slash as executive assistant to um, someone who had overseen the whole publishing house. So he was like the sales and marketing guy. So I got to see the bird's eye view of the publishing house, not just necessarily one tiny department, like editorial. I got to see all of it. So that was really cool because again, I'm helping run the show. I'm helping coordinate all of the publication dates and, Uh, you know, entertainment wise too was in there too. There was a lot of very cool media related things that we were doing. Like, um, you know, ebooks at the time wasn't a big thing, but now it is. And Mm -hmm. so that was kind of neat too. And some celebrity authors. So that was the publishing thing. Oh my gosh, what else happened after that? Right. So then after that was when I got headhunted by one of my friends at the time who worked for the Department of Health and Mental Hygiene here in New York City. So it was local government and she asked me to come on board and help. Project Manage, I guess, for lack of a better word, their, um, their event, not their event, sorry, their Emergency Management Bureau. So it was, uh, I called myself the party planner for real world catastrophes. So if anything, (laughs) (laughs) if anything major... Yeah. It's funny until you get hepatitis because that was one of the real world catastrophes that you might be taking a part of. So if there was like a hep outbreak, if there was a flu outbreak, if there was coastal storm, which there were, if there was a biological issue, like we had anthrax scares and so on, we would... We would come together as an agency and follow and well, our bureau, the one that I was involved in, ran the like the planning department. Like we kind of organized what the plans are in case something has to shut down and you have to go out into the world and, you know, prepare to respond to an emergency. And so um, I was there for about four years. And that's actually where the last of my my career ended at that point that was when I sat in my cubicle they're going whatever happened to food I don't want to do emergency (laughs) management anymore like I was a project manager and I guess this is kind of still the same but I'm not an emergency responder and that was kind of part of the job and um, you know I like volunteering for things I like working in soup kitchens but I do not like running out into the field where disaster strikes I'd rather not be the go-to person for that I know my weaknesses so that's kind of where (laughs) I started saying to myself, you know, exactly like that. I'm 40 something years old. If I don't make this change now being four years into this particular job and maybe go back and see if I can revisit that whole culinary food, nutrition, health type of aspect in that way, then what do I do here? Do I just write it out and collect my pension in 25 years or do I do something else and not regret having left? So I, I opted to, to leave. But yeah, all those all those careers that was kind of the the running theme was always the organization, the project management of things, the party planning of things. Mm -hmm. And I was good at that. And I'm still good at it. So how are you? So so interesting.
0: Mm -hmm. I mean, it's very interesting to think about all those previous positions, but how they can still kind of tie into dietetics, too. Like you just said. Yes. Yes. Which is amazing because, you know, that wasn't even on your radar. But then you always went back to food. And so Mm -hmm. it's funny how that. Like people always say, well, you know, I didn't love that job, but it still was quite right. helpful for you going forward as an RD.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think maybe subconsciously I knew the skills that I had, but also thank goodness I had quite a lot of people, whether it was subordinates or supervisors, who gave me a lot of good feedback and positive feedback about things that I didn't necessarily recognize in myself, the strengths that I had in myself about leadership, about organizational stuff and um and i started saying okay so all those weird quirks that i used to say to myself you know i'm i'm so anal about xyz that's actually a, a strength sometimes in some of these careers that i've had because it helps structure things helps put things into place and to help people get from point a to point z you know i'm i'm their their conduit to help them get to that so that was kind of cool to kind of step back and say to myself wow all these things lined up and that that Common running thread through all of these careers that I've had and not careers, these positions, I should say, because mm-hmm. the fields differed, but the position and the requirements of what I, what I was in all of those were fairly similar. And it didn't require me to become something I wasn't. Like I was never uncomfortable. Again, the last job I had made me uncomfortable in that secondary part of what was being asked. In my position, the, the emergency response part of it, but the actual primary part of it was something I was very comfortable with. I liked standing up. I liked leading meetings. I liked organizing things. I liked sending calendar invites out and, and working backwards from, you know, when our deadlines were and kind of organizing who's doing what by when and managing all those little tasks and minutiae. And where other people just liked big picture things and couldn't wrap their head around all those little details, you know, enter Dina. So that was, that was something that <laughs> I at least, Yeah. Yeah. So like you said, sometimes people have to kind of take a little bit of a step back or ask others, you know, tell me what you think about my strengths and where you think I could potentially be of use in this particular field. And maybe it's something that I haven't necessarily delved into on my own, but that's where I will now put my attention and hopefully it'll grow and it'll flourish and be beneficial in some way.
0: Absolutely. And I, I like your message about that because I think, well, and you're a preceptor now too, aren't you?
1: So I don't, take- I'm not busy enough. So I signed up sure. to be, to be a preceptor. <laughs> I'm not busy enough. So I wanted to take on more responsibility. Yes, I'm a preceptor now.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. and, well, it, which is good though, because like you said, you, you are now going to be that person that's going to help other dietitians to be realize things about themselves that maybe they wouldn't realize in a preceptor. Yeah, it's
1: so funny. Yeah, it's so funny. I often, I forget that I'm there to, Kind of guide them. Like when they, when I've worked with so many in just the last year alone, I think I have, I'm almost up to like a dozen now at this point, DIs, and then I have had student volunteers as well, which I think I've massed about. Uh, I think close to 60 student volunteers in the last year and a half, just because the volunteers, obviously, they, they randomly come and go, like whatever they can give, they can give as far as hours and stuff. But the interns, obviously, they're plugged in. They're assigned to you as the, a rotation and they have, you know, like a full-time job with you. But anyway, my point was going to be. I'm also in awe of them. They're bringing new life. They're bringing new knowledge. They're bringing new skill sets. So I kind of sit there and go, oh, right, right. I'm supposed to supervise you and guide you. But oftentimes I'm like, what do you think of this? You know, and I think, I think I appreciate that. And I think they appreciate that too, because I'm sure we don't all have perfect preceptor experiences. There might've been a lot of times where some of us felt very, uh, you know, not confident and then maybe felt a little demeaned depending on who, was running the show so i think it's nice that i approach it like i'm your equal in a way i'm still learning and you're still learning but i might have some extra experience that you don't have just yet because you're just coming in at at this point um Mm -hmm. but like i said they they bring other things to me that i'm like wow i must not have been paying attention in class or this is like a new piece of information (laughs) (laughs) that i learned from them as well which is always nice
0: and it's always important to keep learning which it sounds like you're going to be one of those people forever that will want to keep learning as much as possible
1: I can't not. I mean, I'm very set in my way. I, I always joke like I'm a crotchety old woman sometimes in, in curmudgeonly ways and so on, but I'm very open-minded. Like I'm okay when people say, you know, maybe it's you, Dina. Like maybe you should just take a take a look for a second, see if this is the common issue that's happening. You know, maybe you need to be a little bit more flexible. And of course, at first I'm like, how dare you? But then I go, you know what? You, you might be right. And so I like to see if that feedback is constructive, obviously, I'm. I'm open to it. But even if it's not, sometimes there's truth in that, that you kind of have to wrap your head around and go, hmm, I, I don't know how to, you know, I don't know how to take this in right now or how to respond to that. And I feel also, if I may add, that you have to sometimes be uncomfortable in progressing, right? Not not necessarily like, oh, I'm going to go skydiving if I'm afraid of heights, but like, just take that moment to say, this is a situation that makes me uncomfortable because then I can I can prepare myself for another experience like that the similar experience where now i'm prepared i have the tools and the strategies that i understand of like how to address that i've never you know just you learn right i've never was um, approached with this particular situation and now it made me uncomfortable to be in it but now going forward if it happens again i know how to either stand my ground or speak out or address it or you know whatever what de-escalate whatever that particular situation mm-hmm. is so but yes i which I'm is what, what you learning. did
0: yeah, which is what you did with your, you know, when you're sitting there in your cubicle and you're like, whatever happened to food? Yeah. <laughs> yes. found that you were like, yeah. I'm comfortable and I need to make my situation better, which is why, or yeah. make your situation more of what you wanted it to be and what you wanted your future.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, again, we, we tend, well, I'm globally generalizing this i'm saying we tend as in maybe females dietitians i don't know people i know um we don't pat ourselves on the back often enough we don't give ourselves enough credit i think sometimes to to be fearless in that way to say you know i could either sit here in this cushy job for the next 17 years and not make a peep and just work my way up and blah 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 but um i think it takes a lot to to put yourself in that position where it's like, Oh my gosh, if I quit, what if I don't find another job? Or if I decide to go back to school, how am I going to pay for this? And kind of not be careless in the sense of it'll all work out, you know, like to have some sort of plan and action, of course, you know, get people who are in your world on your side and, um, and know that if you have to obviously make some financial arrangements and getting yourself from one place to another to, to get that additional education or to move on to some other job that you need to move on to if some place is um, holding you back or making you feel really icky going into work or whatever that is. So I think there's a fearlessness to that. And I think that's why I do get drawn to you guys, like the entrepreneur people that I'm finding online. I think we all have that, that personality where we're not, we're not afraid to take chances and we're not afraid to bust out. We're not afraid to start something that we think is going to work. And if it doesn't work, just go up oh, that didn't work and move on to something else.
0: I, I agree. And I think that's, I think with dietetics, I don't know about you, but I, you know, I've been a dietitian for 17 years now and it's amazing how, when it's, when I started, how much more we're branching out and we're trying new things. So I love that you said that because I think it's so important that we keep trying new things, even if we didn't do mm-hmm. it in school or if we didn't do it in our internship, why not? Why not? try Right, new
1: right. Yeah. And question stuff, too. I mean, you know, I I try to respect everybody who's gone before me. I'm also not so confident that I don't think I can't learn more. And then, of course, you know, the the ones coming up the ranks, too. I'm open to hear what they have to say as well. So it's a lot of sh- information sharing, questioning things and and not feeling so defensive about stuff, too. Like, you know, you're more than welcome to have your opinion. But is it OK to open up a discussion and be civil about it right diplomatic well obviously if anybody's part of the academy we all were asked to sign that pro-civility agreement too so it's about like you know just kind of being okay with the uncomfort the discomfort and be open to uh to the new to question things and to advance in that way
0: which is it's a fun time to be a dietitian for that i think i think
1: so too i think so too
0: so tell me about so you I want to know, did you ever waver when you went back to school over the past five years? Were you like, oh, my gosh, why am I doing this? Did you ever question yourself during that time?
1: Um, I, part of me wants to say, like, daily I did. <laughs> I was probably like, what the heck? And, <laughs> but then I had a feeling you were going to ask me this. And then a part of me is like, no, because I... I have this thing when I set out to do something I just do it and if I fail at it then at least I've done it and I don't have regrets so even if I'm like oh my god that sucked so hard but at least I took the chance and did it so at least now I'm coming with a little bit more knowledge that if I were faced with something you know because it's like tattoos I get one it hurts I'm never getting another one again but the second I walk out I'm like Whoa, what should I get for the next one and now same <laughs> thing with this I, I hated right I hated how it felt to be in school and sleep three hours a night for five years, it seems like. But as soon, as soon as I'm seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, I'm like, should I go for my PhD? Yeah, so, I was just going to say, <laughs> is that what's on the horizon for you? <laughs> I, I guess, I guess. I mean, I need a proper break. I need to like yeah. lie down for like a solid week after all this is done. <laughs> but but I, do, I do like, I don't know, I like being busy. Anyway, my point was, you know, when I set out to do something, there's a goal and I have to say, I've I've been successful in that. I might not have been successful in achieving the end result I set out to achieve, but I've been successful in saying, I'm going to go do that and I've done it. So, yeah. So the pain and discomfort, was it worth it? We'll see. I mean, I think right now, absolutely, because I'm still in that growing phase and I'm mm-hmm. still kind of moving through this field with my mouth shut and my eyes and ears open, soaking in as much as I can, figuring out, you know who my people are like you have the the quote on your website about your tribe right like figuring out where i fit best and who my tribe is and being open to to maybe dumping some of the preconceived notions i had about whatever i started out doing being a little bit more open to what might come to me organically Mm -hmm.
0: well that's good too because obviously dietetics through the your your what was it your sister-in-law or your
1: um, well, yeah. Technically, she's my bro- my boyfriend's sister, but we've okay. been together for a thousand years, so we're all we all call each other in laws. Sure. Yeah. So <laughs> I mean, so that's yeah.
0: like dietetics came through you organically through that situation. Mm-hmm. So I mm-hmm. love that you're mm-hmm. you're open. So what what could mm-hmm. ever come your way? And I think that's a good message for all dietitians that even if you've been in a position for years and you don't see yourself changing, right. you still can be open to something new.
1: Yeah, I mean, I do think that's a good message for anybody really dietitians or otherwise. I mean, I just think it's a good message where I feel a lot of people tend to kind of get complacent. Like I was saying before, I'm, I've been in this job, I'm afraid to move on, I haven't done anything else. But like, so what? Because we're all in, a, I think we all meet that moment in in our lives where that path happens. And and it's scary, but it might or might not work out. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't mean bad things. It just means, mm-hmm. okay, that was maybe something that's a lesson learned and you can get back on the path. I, I think it's rare that you'll find people will just say, forget it. You're not allowed to come back ever. And then we won't embrace you back into you know this circle and sure. we're going to oust you because you decided to go on to this different career. I think you know, people are very, I, at least the people I've come across are very flexible and open and accommodating that if you make a mistake, it's fine.
0: And you just got to, you just got to keep, keep moving on for sure. Mm -hmm. So tell me about all your, so I always see you post a lot of stuff, the the activities that you're doing. You do a lot of things in the public. Tell me about all the things that you're doing as an RD.
1: So right now we're in, as we're recording this, we're in a little bit of a hiatus because it's cold out. So we do most of the, uh, the community stuff, the community outreach and the, um, I guess the nutrition education things that we do outside. Obviously, these these are more in the winter month, uh, the summer months when it's warmer out. So, some of the things we've done. I, I want to start concentric, concentrically and work my way out as far as marketing myself as like the quote unquote neighborhood nutritionist. So, I'm in the East Village in Lower Manhattan, and I don't. I always have this thing where I don't feel comfortable taking people's business unless I've been able to provide. To them in some way so i don't want to just set up a table with my business cards and be like sign up i'm get my newsletter and be my client i want to say like how can i contribute in some voluntary way first get to know me a little bit feel me out and let's see if we we can establish a mutually beneficial relationship so in doing so way back when about a year and a half ago the first crew of uh, volunteer nutrition student volunteers that i had we did a needs assessment And we, I I know I'm kind of going a roundabout way and answering your question, but this is how, this is how maybe we'll help people to go, how does this happen? So we did a needs assessment. We had at our. Uh, we were able to secure some like community health profiles that the Department of Health puts out every five years. And we got to understand like what the needs of the community in each of these zones were. So I know, for instance, that where I live, East Village is in the zone three of Manhattan, which uh, corresponds with the Lower East Side and Chinatown. So there are English speaking, there are Spanish speaking, and there are Chinese speaking people. And 28% 28 of our um, 28% of our residents live below the poverty line, but 72% of our residents do not. So I could just as much go out and charge for my services. And I could also give back to a community that would probably appreciate that. So we made some collaborative efforts with a community health center with some supermarkets, and just put our names at like uh, grocery stores, like health food stores in the area, just put our names out there. And asked is there any way that we can be of service to you. And so one of the things we did with the community center down the street from where I live is they do a CSA, community supported agriculture farm share every week with their patrons. And so their patrons come in every Tuesday and they pick up their whatever their, you know, produce bags are. But we were able to set up a table outside on the sidewalk. So you don't have to be a patron of the community center to enjoy what we're doing out there. So what we did was every other Tuesday or so we'd grab a handful of whatever the produce delivery was. And we would on the spot kind of like, you know, an episode of one of these food network uh, shows on the spot, we would just make up a couple of recipes raw because we never brought hot plates with us. We just bought, brought, you know, knives and spatulas and whatever. And we would create, a savory recipe and a sweet recipe on the spot with whatever we were able to get. So we had things like fruits, obviously vegetables, uh, herbs, you know, onions, things like that, that were part of the produce that was delivered. And then we would just put that in, for, put that out in little sample cups and whoever was passing by, if you're a neighborhood resident, you just coming home from work, uh stop by and say hi. And we chit chat with people. And so that was kind of cool just to That's give back great. to the community and also just get integrated. Yeah
0: and get your and just get yeah. your get yourself out there to meet the people in your community.
1: Exactly, exactly. And we had a lot of, you know, random people asking questions. Some people just drive by, grab a drive by, walk by, grab a sample cup and just peace out, which is fine too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we also if we knew ahead of time kind of what the season was and what it would entail, we also printed out some general recipes like based on what you might get in your farmer's market share today this is stuff that is you know in, i guess inspired by that particular season's bounty and uh and we printed out little things so we would you yeah, know we chat with people hand out recipes the volunteers and i would stand out there and i never once pitched the business like i had business cards out there but i never once was like sign up for my newsletter or it was just chatting about food and you know oh this is raw i didn't know you can I didn't know you could eat corn raw. I was like, oh my gosh, you can eat so many vegetables raw. Like you don't have to go crazy with cooking and everything can be very simple. And that's also part of the conversation too, simplicity and ease of effort. And especially in Manhattan, where I live, very small space living. I mean, I've, you've seen my kitchen and my refrigerator yeah. on Instagram. It's t- it's like shoebox tiny. So um, yeah, so there's that. And then also the supermarket guy, that I met up with. He has weirdly enough, a giant parking lot that just doesn't get used because who's driving in Manhattan right now, but it's also kind of cordoned off for their, for their freight trucks. And so we, I drag out, (laughs) this is me on like any given Saturday in the summer. I drag out a six foot table a few blocks away, set up shop on the parking lot. We do a little, my plate nutrition education thing. We do a little nutrition facts, label nutrition education thing. And then off to the side, I kind of joke like the peanuts, you know, we're um, was it Lucy and the therapist thing? Like I'm just oh, out there yeah. like, giving out free consultations. <laughs> <laughs> like come That's on down awesome. for your 15 minute free consult. Uh, yeah. So we, you know, if you have any concerns or anything, you know, of course I always have a disclaimer. I have people sign the necessary. I realize this is not medical advice. and I'm just like, tell me what your goals are. Let's see if we can get you kind of kickstarted here. And if you need to come back and chat, we'll be back in two weeks and whatever. So it's just community engagement mm-hmm. to start and small. You, and then.
0: Do you get mm-hmm. people that come back then and come back to chat with you and I mean obviously sometimes
1: yeah Sometimes, for sure, at the CSA, because those are the regular patrons that are already part of the, like, the season's market share, those for sure will come back just because it happens to be the timing of it. The supermarket is a little hit or miss. It depends on what these people's grocery needs are, I guess. Um, But we do advertise. Like, we have little flyers that we stick up on the bulletin boards, and it's like, come back on, you know, the second and fourth Saturday of October or, you know, whatever the dates might be. So if people, really wanted to come back, they could. And again, I always have my business cards out there so that they can find me and follow me if they want to, because then I also promote it on social media about, you know, come come visit us on this day. Um, and I, I think too, and like it helps with the volunteers too, that it, it's interesting for them to see they just want to be a part of whatever, which I always appreciate. So whatever they want to do is cool. And these things are on nights and weekends. So I also appreciate that I'm taking their free time away from them as they're coming in as, you know, just nutrition student volunteers. But they also kind of get to see what goes on behind the scenes of somebody first starting up a private practice, because we all have a different approach to it. So this is my way of community engaging, but it might not be someone else's way. And, and they also get to feedback. So at the end of it, we have a little debrief, like when we're packing everything up. I'm like, how do you think things went who did you speak to what was interesting what would you have done differently and i asked them for their input the volunteers and you know we tweak accordingly as the next event comes up
0: see that's and i think that's great because you're really getting to know your community and i think you have to get Mm -hmm. to know your community before you can really market a business to anybody
1: right right so right i don't want to feel like a, a poser you know, like I'm just sitting around being like, hey, hey I'm, I'm I'm setting up shop. <laughs> yeah, hey, right. Yeah, I know everything. Meanwhile, it's like I don't even patronize half of these places because I've been held hostage in school for five years. So I haven't been able to go and visit your coffee shop and visit your, you know, candle store or any of these cute little boutiques. So I don't feel it's appropriate for me to say, like, can I hang my flyer here without me actually purchasing something mm-hmm. or or chatting about our neighborhood and getting to know the, the neighbors? So do you kind of see yourself and supporting their business as well? Sure. Mm-hmm.
0: Sure. You're kind of like, mm-hmm. you're, you're kind of like the chamber of commerce of diet, dietitians <laughs> oh, of your neighborhood. So-
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm totally, I want to be like a grand poobah of something. <laughs> I <I'm> totally. <laughs> oh my gosh. Kind of see Does that kind come of- with suspenders? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you could totally yeah. do that. <laughs> When you're done in 71 days,
0: what does that kind of look for you then? What do you, minus your week of sleep that you're going to just lay down for a week, but.
1: Uh. Right. So, I mean, I'm a big, I'm a big talker. There's no real sleep. So as, as things turn out, there's no, there's no, there's no sleep ever for Dina. And I realize that it's not good. I realize that I say yes to a lot of things and I spread myself then, but, but opportunities happen. I say no to a lot, trust me, but there are some things I just don't feel comfortable saying no to because i think this could play a good role in my future but the timing of it just doesn't work well in, in in my world um so as is the case a day before i graduate i'm starting to teach an undergrad summer college course on the same campus of that i'm graduating so oh my i i'm right so it's a two day a week it's six weeks long it's just a summer session but Uh it's like the crack of dawn and it's about an hour away from where I live. So it's gonna be a lot of traveling and grading. I guess, you know, I have to grade things. I've never I've never done a college course before, but I have to grade things and like and like be around for correspondence and have an office hour or something. So yeah, so I don't really technically have that week, but I'll have a week sometime this year. Oh well that's exciting. That I'll sleep. (laughs) <laughs> um, I'll, I'll be like, I'm going to hibernation
0: yes, Finally.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, that's exciting
0: though. Like teaching a class. I think you would be fantastic at that.
1: Oh, I am so, I am so excited. I, so again, one of the things that I did way back a million years ago, while I was in between other jobs and doing other things, I actually went and what was it called? It's like a teaching cer- certificate of eligibility or whatever in New Jersey, where I used to live. And I I applied for that and I got it. So in in New Jersey, and I think in a lot of other states, you can do what's called the alternate route. So you don't necessarily have to go through school to become a teacher. You can kind of plug in, I guess if I were to relay this, it's kind of like the DPD of the education world. So you don't have to necessarily have to have a degree in education. You can take the alternate route, which means you go through some courses, you take a test, and then the state certifies you as far as teaching eligibility. So I think I got qualified for like K through eight. And I became a substitute teacher. And that was great because that helped pay a couple of bills in between some other things that I was doing or in between jobs that I was having. I was able to be a sub and both short term and long term. So in that, I decided to take the exam to become an actual like qualified to actually be an alternate route teacher. And I did. I got that. That's the thing I was saying about um, getting qualified for K through eight. So I've never done the college route. But I've I've been reading up a lot of this and I'm also not a very conventional type of person. Like I hate standing in front and just lecturing and reading off of slides, you know, like bullet by bullet and just, I'm like, you can see that, right? So I'll just, oh, yeah. let's just chit chat. Let's find out what you guys want to do. So I think there's something about that whole K through eight and K through 12 way of teaching where it's a lot more hands-on, you know, you're developing children's skills that kind of doesn't necessarily feel like anybody pays attention to in college, but we're all still learning. So I don't know why that doesn't still apply. I don't think it's okay to have a room full of people just staring at you falling asleep (laughs) while you're like, you know, like this talking head. (laughs) So I'm excited about it because a part of me is like, I'm going to revamp the way college teaching is. And maybe that happens. And maybe I'll get yelled at for my unconventional methods, but I'm willing to do it because okay. again, there's that fearlessness. I'm willing to take a chance and say, you know, I'm gonna, I'm going to make sure that everybody here ends the semester knowing what they need to know, but we're not gonna do it in the usual traditional way. I it's think that's a lot more attractive. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I'm, I already, I'm like, I'm excited about it. I'm like, oh my gosh, like I haven't even finished my, my own stupid semester and I'm already getting excited about teaching other people. But the thing is too, and the, the course that I was given, To this day is actually my favorite undergrad course. And I actually still go back and use that textbook to look up vitamins and minerals and just general information about nutrition because it was a very basic nutrition and health course. But that's where it all began. And so I'm hoping that I give to those students coming in the same thing that my teacher for that class gave to me and that I'll always remember certain things that I was taught and told and learned in that class.
0: And you maybe you'll convert someone into dietetics, you know, because I think that class is taken by Mm -hmm. different types of students. So you never know. You might inspire a future dietitian that didn't even know they were going to be one.
1: Exactly. Or talk or talk them out <laughs> Or talk them out of it. Yeah, that's good. That could have happened. <laughs> <laughs> so I was held hostage for five years in my favorite in my forties. <laughs> Don't be like me. And now teaching <laughs> you guys. So do you with the
0: teaching <laughs> you guys with the, are you gonna continue all your summer programming then to win the community to kind of keep growing your business?
1: Yeah, I feel like I have to because I really didn't. I didn't really get much done. I was still in grad school last year. So I was just plugging in as I could. And now this year, well, yes, while I'll still be busy and I'll hope to have more of a full-time job of some sort or, you know, many part-time jobs. And yes, I do. I do want to keep that momentum going because I feel it's necessary if I want to get to that end goal and keep establishing myself as your neighborhood go-to person as far as nutrition is concerned, but also um, it's fun. It gets me out of the house. You know, I get to chit chat with people. I get to, to do food stuff, which, you know, I do for myself. I don't like food service things. Like I don't like doing food demos, uh, being forced to do food demos on site for anything, but I like doing these little random things uh, you know just generally for the public or, or if I feel like doing something and incorporating that in a workshop then I'll do that uh, so I think because yeah. you know food brings people together right it's fun to talk it's fun to have people try things out it's fun when the little kids walk up and they're like I hate lettuce yeah. I'm like I yep. doubt that <laughs> but try try this right. <laughs> try this thing <laughs> and see what happens yeah
0: well that kind of brings you back to like your your love your love for cooking and being mm-hmm. in the kitchen and your childhood. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a great blend of things that you're passionate about.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it keeps the momentum going. It keeps me ingrained in it. I, If I may, I was going to say, I actually don't, I'm not tending to go towards community. I'm going to have that as a part of it. But as I come towards this like second, second and a half year of dietetics, uh, there's a lot of clinical things that I'm actually enjoying in some of my other Jobs that I think that's going to be the primary focus of dealing more with doctor referrals and, and maybe plugging myself into offices and getting more involved in like outpatient sure. health medical things and then doing these things on the side as more uh you know wellness community wellness program type of things that I can I can get involved in on a voluntary basis or as like a secondary income type of thing at some point but. Yeah, but I think that helps me because then then I, you know, I don't like being too much of one thing. I like kind of having a hand in a bunch of different uh, I would have never guessed that about you. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> uh, what? I'm I don't so, forste <laughs> I'm so cookie cutter.
0: <laughs> I don't foresee One boring minute in your life whatsoever <laughs> when it comes to
1: anything. No. So, <laughs> I know. I I wonder if I like need to get tested. Maybe it's like an, maybe it's like an adult ADHD thing or something. I don't know. No, Whatever it is. <laughs>
0: no, I that's what I love about you cuz you're just always doing and trying new things and I love that you share it on social media so then people see all the opportunities that are out there mm-hmm. whether you create them or whether they come to you. Yeah, it's all what yeah. you make it.
1: And I think I think, or I should say, I hope I do the good and the bad, you know, I think on social media, and a lot of the guests that you've had on, I think also speak on this as well. Just it just always looks so perfect out there. And it's always so ideal. And I wish I had that. You know, I was I was able to do this way of doing things. And instead, I'm doing it sloppy like this. And I think there's there's, um, I mentioned this, I think in my post the other day, there's, there's vulnerability, right? There's strength and vulnerability. Like you can say, it's okay. We're not perfect behind the scenes. We're not perfect in front. So if I do something, um, much like I did an event, Uh, last year, one of those little outdoor supermarket things, I think like three people showed up and we were out there for two hours, Mm -hmm. but I was like, whatever. Okay. So it just didn't, it wasn't the timing. But again, like I was saying before, you know, you have to take the chance. You have to do something. Not everything's going to be a success. And then hopefully you, you gain confidence from it. So I I think my boyfriend's an earshot, but I'm going to say this because this is what happens in my life is I'll do something. It won't go well. And he'll immediately say something like, babe, it's fine. Just, you know, don't worry about it if you don't want to do it again. I'm like, Are you kidding? God, like I want to do it 10 more times. Like I don't give up once, you crazy. So he, he, he's like thinking he's being nice with the advice of like, it's okay if you just want to let it go. I'm like, hell like, no, no, I got to do this 20 more times because you have to gain momentum. You can't just try one thing and think the whole world's going to respond immediately. You have to build that momentum, especially if you're in a world of entrepreneurship where that's the whole point of it. I mean, rare does somebody go viral day one? And so, you know, it takes, it takes some a little bit of upramping and consistency. And yes, behind the scenes, you get tired for it, but you also develop tweaks and you start trying to see where can I improve? And I think that's where feedback comes into play too. So not just with my volunteers, but you know, anytime I do like an online program or any kind of session, even with outpatient um, settings that I have, the counseling sessions that I have in my outpatients, I'll, I'll also say at the end of the conversation, was this beneficial to you? You know, what are your takeaways? I don't just, Sign off and go, okay, thanks, come back in three weeks. So I always like feedback. I want to know how I can be better because then that grows success and then that makes me excited to continue doing it because then otherwise, what's the point? So true. That's I'm back to so four years ago going, I don't want to do this anymore. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you don't, know, and that's not where you want to go. So that's a good you know. message. Definitely don't
1: give up. Thank Just you. keep going. Keep don't going,
0: people. Yeah.
1: Inspired. Or, right. <laughs> Exactly. Or like I've said before, if you feel like you need to give up, then go ahead and do it to create more room for something else that you feel adamant or passionate about. Allow yourself to dump that, that thing that's holding you down to continue forward with something else. But don't give up on something that you feel is really important to you just because it didn't work one time.
0: Yeah, that's true. And that's it's hard to remember mm-hmm. that but it is definitely something that you should apply through your whole life with everything that you do.
1: Mm Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm
0: excited to yeah. see, I'm excited to see postgraduate um, Dina's
1: future. Aww, me too. You're <laughs> like, me too. Me too. <laughs> I, a I have an idea what it looks like, but I, I like surprises. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was like, I want documentation of you laying down for a week. I want to see that every day, uh, laying
1: down. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I could actually even do it. it I just, I feel like I'm just not that person. I. Don't, I want to be. But the mind just keeps going. Yeah. Like I said, I really feel like maybe I should get checked. It's just, it's like, shut up. Maybe like two <laughs> Stop <times>. talking. <laughs> I, I, let me let me rest for five seconds, Dina. Okay. I, um, I'm also Dina, though. Yeah, Who you're are talking to yourself. Yeah, you're like, wait. Yeah. yeah. You're like
0: having that conversation yeah. with yourself. That's funny. Yes. <laughs> well, I always say this. A lot of my guests that I have on here, I, I definitely, we will have to have a post uh um, graduation slash oh yay follow up conversation to see what you're doing and where you're at because I know there's gonna be a lot of awesome things in your future. So and, you. I, and I would definitely put your um contact information and your like Instagram so people follow her because she you're very inspirational. So I tell I, you that I,
1: I appreciate that. <laughs> I appreciate that you do. And I, and I don't pay you extra for it at all. You take the yes. scale fee and you're happy with the scale fee that I send you. Thank you. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> now that okay. asked Thank you. you. Anne, I appreciate
0: that. Yeah. Now that I've asked you all these hard questions, let's ask you some fun questions. Yeah. And I did give these, these sure. to you previously, but what is your favorite food?
1: Yeah, so I always do say, right, pasta. Um, I joke about being Italian. I feel like if I don't have pasta and a heaping amount of cheese on the pasta at least once a week, that someone from Italy will come and revoke, revoke my country ship from, from me or something. Um, but interestingly enough, I, I like it very plain, like a nice, clean tomato, not, nothing too saucy, just like clean tomato, basil, you know, shredded fresh basil on it and that's it that's perfect Mm -hmm. that is perfect Mm -hmm.
0: what is your favorite beverage my favorite beverage is ginger ale
1: and i don't know why Probably i'm not a soft drink drinker issues was it because of that Oh, my gosh. Is it? Maybe that's where it started. That's so funny. When I have in my house, there's no soft drinks at all. I mean, we have seltzer for bubbly stuff, but there's I never have soda in the house. I rarely have juices and so on. But whenever I go out to eat, I will always order a ginger ale. So I don't drink alcohol. Maybe that's like my go to, well, you know, beverage of choice or something. I, I don't know. But that's true. Maybe it came, maybe it came from when I was first having some GI things and I was like, ginger ale does the trick. Yeah. I don't know. I've always liked ginger ale. Interesting. Yeah.
0: <laughs> What's your favorite scent?
1: My favorite scent is a combination either between like lavender and eucalyptus because it reminds me of spa, the spa. Uh, yeah. And I often say to myself, I would love to go back to the spa and treat myself to a facial, a massage or something, which, okay fun fact, is actually going to probably be happening next weekend. Like, I actually made an appointment. Let's just see if I actually can go. So, yeah, I'm going to... Make that a priority. I'm going to treat myself. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be in a white robe and slippers and patting about and having somebody smash my skin. That sounds
0: amazing. Which is going to
1: feel awesome. (laughs) Yeah, and I'll hopefully smell lavender and eucalyptus while I'm at it. Yeah, there's something just clean. Well, the funny thing is, is the lavender scent... Uh, It can be, and uh, eucalyptus too, I guess, can be kind of off-putting, a little strong for some people, Mm. but there's something about it. Just, I just feel like I'm in this field of breeziness and that's nice. Like pure bliss. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Take me away. (laughs) What is your favorite color? My favorite color, like yours, I believe, is purple. Yeah. I love purple. Is that that true? Yours is purple too? So I think this this is probably related to, I'm um, a February baby, as you are. Yeah. Amethyst is our stone, which is purple. But, and now I know I'm dating myself. I don't even know if anybody even knows who Donnie Osmond is anymore. But back in the day, Donnie and Marie Osmond <laughs> used to have a show on television, like a little variety show, like a thousand years ago. And he used to always wear these purple glittery socks. And i and I know for a fact that's where it came because I was like, "Oh my God, I love Donny Osmond, and I'll do anything that he does, and purple's my favorite color, but it really it really has to be a specific shade. I don't like when it's too pink, I don't like when it's too blue. I don't know what the name of it would be. um maybe lavender, maybe lavender would be yeah. a good, yeah, Did yeah you
0: have purple spark pur- purple sparkly. Spark.
1: Did you get some? I probably did. Yeah, you probably probably did. I, you know, it's one of those, I'm looking at, I was, I was looking at the, well, I should say I listen to your podcast often. So I know that these questions are coming up, but (laughs) I was thinking to myself, just because something is a favorite of mine doesn't mean it has to happen every day. like, I don't wear purple head to toe all the time, Yeah, no. but I for sure wear a lot of purple. That's like a lot. That's awesome. (laughs) I don't even think, you know, it's funny.
0: I don't, I don't don't even anything purple, but I like purple. Like I have things in my house that are purple
1: which is weird. Whatever. That is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I will randomly walk in places and they're like, Oh, you wore purple last time too. I'm like, Oh my gosh, oh. it's not the same clothes, is it? And they're like, no, 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 it's not the same clothes. What the heck? So I guess I'm drawn to certain vibrant colors and yeah. obviously purple being one of them. Huh? Yeah. Interesting. Don't send me things purple. Whoever's out there listening to this right now. I, I have, I have enough purple. You don't need things. More. Okay. Yeah. And your apartment's not very big.
0: <laughs> you don't have a big apartment. So oh my gosh. There's in there. <laughs>
1: no nothing oh this is fun like nothing's allowed in my apartment i don't i even get mad when people bring me housewarming gifts or house you know like hostess gifts i'm yes. like please don't don't like up. if we can't eat it and get rid of it right now it can't come it into my house because i have no place for anything <laughs> yeah it can't <laughs> This is a place for everything
0: absolutely um what brings you joy in life
1: I'm cracking up because I, I just negated the answer to this eight hours of uninterrupted sleep. <laughs> sleep. I just want to sleep. I just want to go lie down and not sleep. <laughs> the girl needs sleep. I don't know. I mean, some people can do it. I remember Martha Stewart being like, I can get by on four hours. I'm like, uh, that can't be right. No, but I don't, I, I get really groggy, really foggy, I can't, I don't feel like I function, function properly. And my, my true body clock is probably at about seven hours and 15 minutes. Like if I go to sleep with no alarm and I let myself wake up, it's usually around the seven hour and 15 mark where I'm like, okay, that's like the sweet spot right there. So Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily need eight, but I guess that would be to target it and then see what happens, how close I can get to that. But I know for sure if it's like six or less, forget it. I'm, I'm mush. Well, maybe
0: after your spa day, Uh, you'll get it.
1: (laughs) maybe i'll just sleep at the spot well you you probably will i live there now (laughs) (laughs) right like do they know they won't know if i just go like lie down in the lamp right they put you in the lounge sometimes when you're done with your service what if i just hang out there for like a whole day i would let you
0: they'd probably like man that girl needs it she needs (laughs) to (laughs) relax
1: right we're gonna close ma'am we're gonna close soon (laughs) Uh, no rush but (laughs) are you are you stuck (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm oh gosh oh my gosh see that's that's like the new that's the new goal that's gonna be the goal just plug myself in random spas wherever i can fit wait, just take a nap <laughs> you know i like adventure
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly well thank you so oh, much gosh. for taking time today and chatting with me uh, thank you and part two for sure so um, again, I'll list your contacts and hopefully you get some new friends to reach out to you.
1: And thank you so much. You. Oh, thank you so much. I really, I'm very, very honored to be part of this. And I appreciate everything that you do as well in the, in the dietary world and as far as the dietetics world and also for social media too. So keep on doing you as well, Miss oh, Anne. Oh,
0: thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Dina and I could have talked for at least probably the rest of the afternoon. I think everything Dina does is so genuine and comes directly from her heart. I would have loved to have her as a preceptor. She would have been so great during my internship, and I'm looking forward to catching up with her again and seeing what life is like after graduation, and also to see if she maybe took some time off after graduating to relax and refocus on all the exciting next steps she has in her life. My website, com is where you can read my latest weekly wisdom blog post, where I share my current adventures, food I'm eating, and the music playlist I create for my fitness goals. I might also include a really delicious real deal recipe, and I always include what I'm loving right now. You can find all my previous podcast show notes and links to the things we talked about during all my conversations with my favorite people. You can also purchase my book from the website. Please connect with me on social media by finding me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest at Aunt Elizabeth RD. Remember to be great always, find the joy in each day, and to start a conversation that truly matters.